Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts. We're taking a little bit of, not really a, a move off of Romans, but actually moving into Romans 6. Uh, I love that phrase in there, the art of losing myself. I think that's a great title for uh, Romans 6. If you need a Bible, um, raise your hand and one will be brought to you. And so we love opening up the Word of God, and I thank you, uh, Joe, for doing that. Um, And so Acts, the 15th chapter. We're going to start reading from the 36th verse. And as you're finding yourself there, I want to go back to the fact that as we move into Romans 6, we realize that that Paul's making a transition. He's going from, um, he's talked about grace, he's talked about justification, and now he's making a move into sanctification. And I don't want to wear that out, but I also want to make us realize, and this is, I think, why the Lord wants to bring this message to us today, is that as we move into sanctification, forgiveness is foundational to move forward. You cannot move forward living your life out with God um, without forgiveness. Forgiveness is the gift that we receive from the cross. Forgiveness is the gift that we give to each other as we move forward as a family. Without it, we can't move forward as a family. And, you know, I don't think that I have to, you know... um, belabor this because in the last few years we have seen so many and all of a sudden that has come out of the church of Jesus Christ and all of a sudden because of things happening there has been this amazing um, reality where unforgiveness has been been the, the mode of operatum instead of forgiveness. Why is that? Because we've been kind of going forward. You know when when everything seems to go your way, right, you know, there's no working out of things. But when all of a sudden things don't go your way, all of a sudden there's resistance, all of a sudden the character of who you really are comes out. And it's like, okay, well, so what character's coming out? And we have seen unforgiveness in the church. In fact, I, I wrote this message last July, and God said, not yet. And it's been sitting on my desk since then, so what, five months? On my desk. And um, as I've been thinking about Romans 6, I said, wait a minute, this, this is where it needs to go. We need to settle this whole thing of forgiveness. I read to you Romans 130, right? That, um, that in the reality of, um, of our own transgressions, if we have not been forgiven, there's no hope There's no hope. If God holds our unforgiveness against us, we have no hope. But he is feared because he is the God who at the cross has brought forgiveness to bay. Now, there's some of us, even among us right now, that don't believe they need it because they think they're a pretty good person or they, I'm not sure I believe in God. But listen to me. This, This is the center of the gospel that at the cross, forgiveness of our sins, of our sinful nature, you don't, you don't 
You're not sinful because you do something wrong. You're sinful because you are wrong. That's the point. We don't measure our wrongness by how many bad things we do. We measure our wrongness by the fact that we were born into it as a nature. And the reason you do things wrong is because of that nature. And so, there is a there is a truth that I want to come out that I want to come out of this message today, and it's this: a person who is forgiven gives forgiveness away. A person who does not have forgiveness can only give condemnation to themselves or to others. Don't miss that. You cannot give something away you do not possess. And so as we come into this passage, um, con- the context of, of Acts is this, um, especially for the particular person we're going to talk about today, and that's Paul, is that in, in Acts 8, Paul is the person who is trying to destroy the way. He's trying to, he, he, he's saying this is a false a false religion, and I'm doing everything I can to destroy it. And if you know the story, he got letters to go to Damascus and to arrest the people of the way, which was the, the, what was called uh, the, uh, the faith in Jesus Christ. They called themselves the way because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. And, uh, and so he's going to Damascus, and along the Damascus road, Jesus Christ himself, listen, Jesus Christ himself, now the one who was crucified on the cross, arose from the dead and went, and went back to heaven. He met Paul on that road. He was Saul at the time. He made changes. Everything changed. When, Jesus, when you meet Jesus Christ, everything changes. And if it hasn't, you haven't met him. Let's just get honest with each other. You haven't met him. Everything changes. And so then uh, in, in chapter, um, so, so he's converted. Then you go to Galatians 1, and you realize that once he was converted, he starts sharing Jesus Christ with people right away. <laughs> Right away, he's just like telling people in Damascus, oh, this guy was coming to, you know, to, to crucify and, and to come against his followers. Now I'm telling you, he is God, and he is the one who gave his life. And he was driven out of that town. He was not accepted by the disciples because they were afraid of him. And so he went out into Arabia for three years, taught by Jesus Christ himself. Taught by Jesus for three years. He came back. Still not accepted, and so he, for 14 years he went to uh, Syria and Cilicia and spent time there. And then came to Jerusalem and was accepted by the disciples. And then in Acts 10 uh, through uh, 12 is uh, an account of his first missionary journey. You see, there was a really cool guy by the name of Barnabas, and he uh, means son of encouragement or the encourager. And he, uh, he came alongside of Paul. When everybody else rejected him, he came alongside and said, no, 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 this is, he's, his life has been changed. I'm, I'm taking him under my belt and I'm walking with him. Everybody, every one of us needs an encourager. Every one of us needs an encourager. And so they go off in their first missionary journey. Well, they take a young man by the name of John Mark with them. Just new in the faith and just growing. And so they take this young man. 
But, they, but the account here is, as it moves up into here in, in chapter 13, the account is, is that um, as they're going to the 13th verse of chapter 13 of Acts, it says, Now Paul and his companions sent sail um, and went uh, to Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. What happened? He abandoned them. John Mark quit. John Mark quit. And so that is where we pick up now in Acts 15. Go with me uh, to the 36th verse of 15, and let's read. And it says, And after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where uh, we proclaim the word of the Lord that Paul they are. So this is the, the front end of the second missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas were supposed to go on. Now Barnabas, mean a son of encouragement, wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn them from Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And listen, and there arose a sharp disagreement. So they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, a sharp disagreement. Does that surprise you? Does that surprise you that amongst the brothers there was a sharp disagreement? I don't think that's the variable. I think there are times we have disagreements. Amen? Amen. And, and I think sometimes we almost become offended by the fact that there's a disagreement. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that God is here to make robots or to make um, you know, all people the same. I think we're going to have different things, different opinions. We're all going to come to the cross different, and there's going to be sometimes some sharp disagreements. I find it interesting uh, that even though Paul um, called John Mark wrong, um, Barnabas, being this encourager, um, still wanted to bring him along. I love people like that. I love people who are just, I had, uh, um, um, I had talked to somebody earlier uh, today about changing some things up in the, in the, uh, in the auditorium. I actually t- I told him to, maybe we should have left less chairs in the auditorium. Leanne and I were talking. I said, because our numbers have been going down a little bit. And he looked at me and he says, you know, as soon as we do that, we're going to fill the place up. So let's keep the seats. And I looked at him and I says, I so like encouraging people. <laughs> you have such a positive outlook. And look at Leon. Yeah, we're, we're larger in number. So there you go. You were right. I was wrong. <laughs> I, love, I love encouraging. Um, but John Mark ran away uh, for a reason. And we'll get to that point. But I want you to know something about repentance and about forgiveness. They are not fixed to a behavior. They're not there to fix a behavior, but to restore relationship through reconciliation. And so in my marriage, I have found, and that is why the, the title of today, I have found that relationship 
really starts after the grace to forgive. What I have noticed in our relationship and in other people's relationships that if we come to each other and everything is just fine, there's never any issues between us, we have a certain level of relationship. But we come to that first sharp disagreement and it brings out the character of who we are as a person. And if we have that forgiveness, we actually become stronger in our relationship than what we were before. I don't know if you have found that in your own relationship, but Sue and I have. And so here we have this sharp dispute. We have this uh, sharp disagreement. Sharp disagreement. It means this, a dispute that led to an irritation that does not go away. It was a passionate disagreement between Paul and Barnabas to the point that they actually went on separate journeys. And, and so the historical context is this, that as, um, who is this, who's this John Mark? Let's find out who he is first. First, he's a cousin of, of, um, of Barnabas. In Acts, in Acts 12, 2, we learn that Mark's mother, uh, Mary, had a large house that was used for the church. So he was very involved in the church. The church had grown there. He'd probably come to know the Lord even at his own home. In uh, 1 Peter 5, 13, we find out that he is a close association with Peter. And also, he's an evangelist and a writer of the book of Mark. And so this is a pretty, um, pretty big thing of Mark. What's the reason for his abandonment? Do you know what happens when the gospel goes out? Who does it make angry? Satan. That's exactly what happened when Paul and Barnabas started going out and started to to create the churches around the secular Gentile world is it ticked Satan off. And what happens, David, when, uh, when Satan gets angry? What warfare happens? Yes, spiritual warfare happens. Absolutely. It's actually a mark of the gospel going out when there's conflict. It has to, because when we're not, for, for, for several reasons. One, because if, if I'm not a true believer, I'm going to be offended by the gospel. It's going to rub up against me like a file, up against metal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if, I am a, if, if, if I am somebody who is sinning, against God. I said that. If, if I'm an unbeliever, it's going to make me angry. It's going to be angry. And I'm going to sit there and I, inside my soul is going to be a battle. There's going to be a battle because the Word of God does that. Uh, and finally, uh, the Word of God brings humility. Um, I, have, I have learned that, that holiness surrounds and, and encompasses the heart of God. God is holy. He cannot do wrong because he is not wrong. There is no wrongness in him. He is absolute holy light. And the only way a human being can approach God, his holiness, 
is if every attribute of our hearts is wrapped by humility. No pride can come in the presence of God. Pride will always keep you out of the presence of God. And so as Paul and Silas went, or Paul and Barnabas went forward, it beca- there became spiritual warfare. And John Mark got scared. How have you reacted to spiritual warfare? There's been some in your life, hasn't there? Absolutely there has. You've accepted Jesus Christ. You were baptized. You said, I'm going to make a stand for Christ. And all of a sudden, Satan said, oh, are you really? Are you really? You know what? I'm going to throw this in front of you. I'm going to throw this this temptation in front of you. I'm going to throw this agitator in front of you. I'm going to throw this situation into your life. Let's see if you're really truly a follower. The reason you're going through something should not... I get this, that for years, this has, the church has been pretty quiet and pretty silent for years. But I feel a rising of spiritual warfare in our country. Satan is, is arrogant, and he thinks, you know what, America's mine. The church is ineffective. In fact, people in the church are really sinning behind the scenes, and they don't tell anybody, and so they're just basically, I'm making them ineffective quietly. And God is doing something today that I think is amazing. And in some of it, there's sharp disagreements that are coming for the very reason of God saying, it's time. It's time. And so... um, So when it comes to forgiveness, is there someone that you're glad is no longer in your life? Did somebody abandon you and hurt you, abuse you in a way that caused separation? And the question is this, have you forgiven them? I think we confuse forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation. Sometimes we mix the three together. Let me give you an example of this. Somebody has hurt you, and so you go to them and you say, Mark, you hurt me, but I forgive you. Now, Mark responds in, in, a, in, in a, one of a couple of ways. First of all, Mark says, um, well, I, I didn't do anything wrong, so what do I need forgiveness for? Or, or there is, um, or Mark says, no, wait a minute. You're the one that needs my forgiveness. So what happens when you come out of that? You're twice hurt. Because not only has the, the, the thing happened to you, but now since you've gone really in a wrong way and said, I forgive you, and this person doesn't respond the way that you are expecting them to, they now twice hurt you. And that has happened so much in the family of God. And so, what about forgiveness? What about forgiveness? Forgiveness really is an act between you and God to free your heart from becoming you and become by evil. Forgiveness 
is an act between you and God to free your heart from being overcome by evil. Repentance is a gift of God to clearly see your involvement in the sin and to bring forth confession which agrees with God and you, that you have participated in that sin. Reconciliation is two people who have worked through forgiveness, see clearly their participation in sin, and come together to build back relationship to Christ and to each other. So let's talk about this. I believe this is true. Matthew 6 says this in the 14th through the 15th verse. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father forgives you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Now, what's the importance of this passage? The importance is this, that the context of this passage is in the context of prayer. It's in your intimacy between you and God. That's where this whole, this whole thing about forgiveness comes on. So it is the, a heart of faith response to true salvation of God. We learn this because in uh, Matthew 18, Peter says, um, in response to sometimes, Peter says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus says, 77 times, meaning infinite. Infinite. Now, so the context of this is, is that in your heart, you are forgiving before the forgiveness actually is worked out. Because you've been forgiven, you forgive others of what they have done to you. Why? Because the story, if you remember the story about the two people that owed a debt, one was infinite, the other was a, a less amount, because the debt Relieved by the master is infinitely greater than the debt that anyone else has done against you. Now listen to me. That is a very tough thing. Because emotion tells me you don't understand what they've done to me. But when you put it in the context of what you've done to Jesus, not even close. But you have to have that perspective. If you don't, you will stay in unforgiveness either toward others or even to yourself. You have to receive the forgiveness of Christ too. And so, and that's why Jesus said at the end of chapter 18, the 35th verse, he says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. James 2.13 says that when there is forgiveness in our heart, our heart has mercy. But if there is unforgiveness in our heart, our heart only has judgment. Do you understand that? That's why I said, without receiving the gift of forgiveness, you can't give get forgiveness. All you have is condemnation. All you have is judgment. And God is calling us for much more than that. So forgiveness is between you and God first. It is an act of the will that pushes back at revenge caused by true injustice or perceived injustice that desires to create an action off of bitterness. Bitterness is the root 
that wants to grow in the heart of a person who has been hurt. Have you experienced bitterness? Doesn't it just like rub inside your heart? It is always on your mind. You're always thinking about it. it, it you dwell on it because it just, you just chew it and chew it and chew it. Bitterness is horrid. And forgiveness coming between you and God in, in regards to somebody else then gets rid of that bitterness, gets rid of that revenge, and becomes a strength. So forgiveness... In initial, initial forgiveness is for you, not the other person. So that you can be free and not bound by bitterness to others. Unforgiveness, like I said, keeps you attached to another person, like an umbilical cord attached to a mother who is corrupt and toxic. And so... The other thing about forgiveness is this. It's a process. It's not automatic. You don't just think to yourself, it's no big deal. I'll forgive that person. It is a big deal. Forgiveness is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Forgiveness was a big deal to get on a cross. Forgiveness cost God his son on a cross. Forgiveness is a big deal. And it should be, it should be handled as a big deal. I'll be honest with you. I knew about forgiveness. I knew these things, but I didn't really necessarily know how to go through the process. I read a book back in July called The Cure, and I think it, it brought forward an amazing process that I think that we all ought to think about. You, had a, you have a piece of paper that was on your chair. Pull that out. I think this is so important. If we're truly, gonna, if we're truly going to um, forgive On that sheet, you will see seven things. We're going to go through each one, just so we understand them. In regards to forgiveness, when somebody has done something against you, the first thing you need to do is you need to admit that something was done. It is not spiritual to say, oh, that didn't bother me. That's no big deal. That's actually unbelief. Our God is a God that lives in the real. He doesn't live in the fake. And he doesn't want us to either. And so admit it, what has happened. Too many people stop the process of forgiveness because they believe that sin shouldn't have bothered them as much. Or because they're afraid of the loss of relationship and so unforgiveness remains between people. It's a separation. In, um, in Isaiah 59, I just want you to hear, this is, hear, hear your God talk about what has separated us from him. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dulled that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That is a God who does not play games in shadows, but sh shares openly exactly what's going on. So a gift of forgiveness is to call out the pain that you've experienced. 
it's actually spiritually mature to say, I have been hurt by this. Now, you're not saying this to anybody but God. That's important. But you're, you're, you're admitting it. Second, second, I must get in touch with the consequences of the act done to me. What happened because of it? Um, to understand the consequences, I have to allow myself to feel the pain of my response. What was the impact on my daily life? Do I feel shame? Do I feel fear? Have I felt demeaned or devalued? Am I shunned or disrespected? Did I lose credibility or access to my friends? Was my marriage affected? Has my family suffered? Harboring unforgiveness allows sin to define me. We must remember that buried sin is buried alive in our hearts. It's not buried dead, it's buried alive. So we don't bury sin that is done against us. We acknowledge it. The third thing is we must tell God what has happened. Here's where we come to the Lord. We have done some things ourselves. We understand that something wrong has been done to us. We understand how it's affected our hearts. Now we come honestly before God and we lay it out before him what has happened. It is important. God knows it anyways, right? Okay, so we go before him because faith says, I say out loud what I know my God already knows. That's what faith is. We say it to him. That's, isn't that what he wants? He wants a relationship with us. Well, what's a relationship? We're honest. We're open and we're real with him and with others. So I must tell God, um, why do I do that? So A, we know that we're heard by God and we know that we're validated by God. He hears, what I, he hears what's in my heart and he validates what's in it. It's very important. So many people live a fake life between God and them. God doesn't want that. Remember the Old Testament said in, in Deuteronomy, what, what nation can boast about the God, about their God who hears them like our God hears us when we pray to him. That's huge. No other. Allah does not hear. Buddha does not hear. Krishna does not hear. But the Lord God hears us when we pray to him. That's why he wants us to talk. So that our hearts are validated. And our hearts are moved closer. So, I have, I have admitted something happened to me. I have gotten in touch with how I felt about it. I have told God what happened to me. Now listen, I must forgive the offender for my benefit. I must forgive the offender for my benefit. The transaction of, of forgiveness is vertical. Relationship with God before it can go horizontal. Relationship with offender. Since forgiveness is more of the heart, God must get our heart right. And so in relationship with him, and when we've been hurt, and we talk to him about it, God then ministers to our heart. 
And we, be, we, we get to experience the freedom from the offense, from the sin. I tell the offender. Fifth, I tell the offender when they have repented for their sake. Telling somebody that you forgive them before they go through the same process robs them of the life-giving freedom of repentance. Premature forgiveness before going through the repentance process does not free a guilty heart and does not restore a broken relationship. Patience is the process that will bring not only lasting relationship, but more often than not, stronger relationship than before. When I'm healed for others sinning against me, I get the opportunity to help others who have been sinned against. Does that make sense to you? Number six, I must distinguish between forgiveness and trusting. This is an important thing. So, many, so much of the process of forgiveness is stopped because people say, I can't forgive that person for what they've done. Or, I, 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 no, listen, I can't trust them anymore. Forgiveness starts the process, but trusting, trusting takes a long time. And so even the, if you're the offender in this situation, and you go, well, you've forgiven me. Um, you should trust me now. That is, that is something that is not right. Do not demand that. Trust takes time. And so forgiveness becomes the foundation to begin to build trust back. But trust being built back is based off your action. Are you continuing to do the thing that brought the unforgiveness into your life? If you are then you should not blame the person for not trusting you. Okay? And if you're the forgiver, it doesn't automatically mean you have to trust the person. That's not like it's an act of, um, of unbelief that you don't trust. It is relationships need to be built back. And so forgive, but realize that trust is not going to be automatic. It's going to take time. Let it take time. It's helping both people to grow. It's helping both people to grow. And then finally, I must seek reconciliation, not just conflict resolution. You know, conflict resolution is just, let's just get this out of the way so that we can go on. But so many times that stops relationships. The whole point is not just to, con to resolve a conflict. The whole point is to become stronger in your relationship. You see, God so loved you that he sent Jesus Christ so that you could be reconciled back to God. That becomes a relationship where you talk and love and work and, and, and live your life in the reality that the Father lives with you and is walking with you every day. It's a restoration of relationship. And what he's done, according to 2 Corinthians 5, is he's made us ministers of reconciliation. 
So that means that we are, our lives are to be made um, restorer of relationships. Recently, somebody that I knew had a conflict in their relationship, and it led to, um, led to a separation in, in position. I said to the man who was in charge, I said, I said, listen, this person may have deserved to be fired, but this person is still a believer in Jesus Christ, and so we don't handle him, them like the world. We handle them like believers. And so make sure that you keep relationship together, even though there's separation in job. We don't get that. The world teaches us that when relationship, when, when, when there is a, an act that's, that separates, we stay separate. We just get them out of our life. We don't have time for them. That's not our, what if our God handled us that way? Every single one of us would be in that same boat. There's not a soul in this room that wouldn't be. But he didn't. And somebody needs to hear this today. Even though you've been separated from God for a long time because of the acts that you've done, today God is saying to you, I am willing to bring my forgiveness into your life and to change your life forever. Will you receive my forgiveness? Not just so that you can be a better person, but that you can be a brand new and different person, restored in the relationship with me. That's what he is saying. So like I said earlier, repentance and forgiveness aren't a means to, for, to fix our behavior, but are gifts of grace to restore our relationship. We need to hear this because there's so much brokenness in the church. So much separation in the church. And it's time for restoration. But that means that we have to be willing to go through the process of forgiveness. There may be somebody in this room today that somebody has hurt them, even in the same room. And you've been separated for a while. I give you this process as an encouragement. I myself um, had to go through this with two people in my life before I could preach it. And I have forgiven them in my heart. And I look forward to the restoration. I look forward to it, and I believe it can happen. So I'm hoping this makes sense to you, but I want you to see something. Because this is so important. So John Mark abandons Paul and Barnabas. Spiritual warfare, probably scared, runs on out. Paul says, you know what? I don't want him to come back. I can't trust him. And they separate. He didn't come back because I just, I'm not going to give up on my cousin. And they separate. And they separate. Did it stay that way? No. Because Paul went through this process. Now, biblically, we can't say that's actually in here. But I know he did. Because of two reasons. First of all, go with me to Colossians 4.10. How do you know that there has been restoration in a relationship? How do you know? I think we need to answer that question. Because some of you are asking, yeah, I've got some issues. I've had some issues between some people. There's been some separation. And so, um, how do I know? Colossians 4.
the 10th verse. Come on, there we go. All right, mine got there, finally. 10th verse. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, what? Welcome him. Welcome him. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. They had a separation. What does that mean, to welcome him? The word welcome uh, in this passage means to take with the hand, not to refuse friendship, to receive favorably, give ear to, and embrace, not to reject. Notice that Paul not only said welcome them, but he also gave specific instructions if he would come to them. You know that you have forgiven somebody when you have welcomed them back into your heart. There's a day that every believer is waiting for. It's the day because of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, because of the reconciliation that has happened because of the blood of Jesus, that God will look you in the face, Jesus will look you in the face, and he will say, welcome into my kingdom. Enjoy that which I have made for you. It's welcoming because there has been forgiveness And we have been welcomed in the heart of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our heart has changed. Paul forgave John Mark. And we know it, one, because he welcomed. He said, welcome him. Is that us? Or are we still pushing people away because, well, that person hurt me and I'm never going to let them do that again? That's the life of an unbeliever. It is a continual life of pushing people away. That's not our God. It's not our God. And here it is. So welcoming. Second one. Go with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, the 11th verse. 2 Timothy 4. 11. If you know anything about the book of Timothy, the second book is basically Paul's come to the place of realizing that he is going to die. My time is short. And so this is kind of like the last words of Paul written to his, his protege, Timothy. And so when, you, when somebody says their last words, you really ought to listen to them. And in the last words, in the last passage, what does he say in the 11th verse? He says this, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is what? Useful and helpful. Yes, to me for for ministry. So not only, not only welcomed back in, but also usefulness has been restored and we're walking together in ministry. People of God, that's the church of Jesus Christ. So welcome means to take hand, not to refuse friendship, but receive favorably. 
But this means that the person has been restored from um, uh, ruined, because that's what happens to relationship, right? When we separate is there's a ruined relationship, but to back to be useful, useful for God's purpose, useful intent. You're in relationship with people not for your benefit, but for God's. It is the unity of the family of God that builds, that grows, that the kingdom of God builds across the land. It's the small rock that was hewn in Daniel, not by human hand. And when it hit the ground, it grew. God wants us to be good forgivers, to restore relationship so that the kingdom of God can grow. And there has been a great stop in the growth of, of, of God's kingdom in America because of unforgiveness. Because of separation. Because people are unwilling to work. And you know what? I know in this room, I know specifically because of talking to you, but I know there is still people that either you know or that you're actually struggling with, with forgiveness in. And I know that because Satan has been working for years to separate. So I lay this process of forgiveness before you. Let the forgiveness of Jesus Christ into your own heart and become foundational to who you are as a human being. Let it change your identity, change the direction of your life. And then, with the gift that's been given to you, go and give it to others. Because, because if he could forgive that great debt which and, and unpayable by us, then how couldn't we turn and, and forgive others of their debts against us? It's the very reality of faith in our hearts. If you forgive others their sins against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins against you, you will not be forgiven by your heavenly Father. For one reason, you can only give away what you've received. Have you received forgiveness? Is, it the, is, that, is, is forgiveness that which moves and motivates your heart forward in life? Or you're caught in bitterness and unforgiveness. Today it can change. Today it can change. Amen? Amen. Stand with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we come uh, to the conclusion of this time, Lord, I, I just pray that your spirit has been leading and guiding these words, that our hearts are moved to truly see the forgiveness that's either in our heart or not, so that, Father, we ourselves can be moved and changed by it, and we can move and change the world by the forgiveness that we give to others. Father, um, true relationship starts after the grace to forgive. And so, Father, in this room, with these people, with us as a family, I pray that, Father, that forgiveness moves. 
uh, I have seen and experienced so much unforgiveness. And I just pray that, Father, that today that changes, even in amongst this country, it has been moving our country in a direction away from you instead of towards you. And we need, we need your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We need to be able to give forgiveness. And we've got to realize that it starts between us and you. And so, Father, I pray that you'll move in our hearts, guide our hearts. May our lives emulate forgiveness. And may, Father, you begin to restore relationships as you begin to move people um, to, to receive not only your forgiveness, but also to be honest about what they have done in their lives, to be humble enough to relate sin, Lord, against you, and I have sinned against others, and begin to restore relationships. For, Father, that is the building and the moving of your kingdom in this world, and we desperately, desperately need that today. I am tired of Satan getting his way in this country, getting his way in our families, getting the way in relationships. I am so tired of the, of, of the ground that he's gained. And it's time for a change. It's time for your spirit to move in and among us to bring your forgiveness into this world. And so, Father, I just pray for that. And I pray that for among us. And if you have convicted somebody here today, uh, Lord, of the fact that there is unforgiveness, I pray that today they will receive it from you and start giving it to others by praying through even this process. That, Father, you will begin to move in our country. We love you and we trust you. Lord, bless us as we go and may our hearts be moved. You say to us, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. We need to act on that. The invitation is there, but we need to act on that. May we truly come to you today. In the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.